You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to The Boutique with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that don't know us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community to help you grow, scale, and exit your firm bigger and faster. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder, and today I'll be your host. And on this episode, I have the pleasure to talk to Dr. Scott Connard. And today we're going to talk about how to apply innovation to your service offering. And uh, Dr. Scott's got a great story around that. So welcome, thanks for being on the show, and would, would you please provide an introduction about yourself and your firm to the audience? Yeah, thank you, Greg. My name's uh, Scott Conard. I, uh, my firm is Converging Health. We've been in business for the last uh, seven years, and we do IT consulting for broker consultants and directly to corporations to help them decrease the cost and increase the value So Scott, one of the things that I that, that the reason why I wanted to talk to you about this particular subject is that you're going after a big problem, which I'm not going to do it justice, but the cost of healthcare, for lack of a more precise term. And you've been able to combine three interesting things, in my opinion, and I'd like you to explain this because there's a point in all this, and that is obviously human capital expertise, technology, and data. To bring an innovative solution to market, so would you, would you explain to everybody about what your solution is and what it does? Absolutely. So, uh, Greg, probably the best way that uh, that they can, those listening, can relate to it is every year when you get your health benefit bill, and they say, "Oh, it's going to be five, ten, fifteen. This year it could be fifteen to twenty-five percent more than it was last year," mm-hmm. which honestly, for manufacturing and service companies could destroy their bottom line. And in fact, it has destroyed some companies' bottom line. Uh, there's this primordial scream, we've got to do this different, we've got to do it better. And I remember experiencing that back uh, in the 90s when they would bring you my bill every year. So what's happened is that the healthcare industry has become 20% of the GDP. It's gotten incredibly complicated. Only 30% of the money that's paid into healthcare is actually paid for care. The other 70% is middlemen in some way, shape, or form, or fraud, waste, and abuse. And so to get access to this and to understand what's actually happening to your money, you've got to have technology. You've got to have uh, the ability to analyze and look at how your money's being spent, which requires data analysis. So being a doctor, having grown up in this environment, seeing all these perversions of what should be you know, an employer paying money to get the employees and their family members excellent care. I developed an IT platform that takes the claims, pharmacy, and eligibility and zeroes in on what uh, companies are paying and elucidates where they're being taken advantage of and what they can do to decrease their costs. So it's, it's uh, minimal human capital, but you have to have human capital to go do the evaluation, but then technology and data to reveal what's going on. It's fascinating. And the net, I mean, when I hear those statistics on, you know, 15 to 20% price increases and a small percentage of it actually going to care, I mean, I literally want to get sick when I hear those things. But you're right. I mean, I, I, I'm experiencing that myself and it's incredibly frustrating. So to me, this is an, an opportunity to disrupt a legacy industry and do something better, faster, and cheaper than what is being done today. 
and I believe that you're a disruptor, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show. And, and very often, people don't put the word innovation or disruption into the service bucket. You know, they, they want to talk about, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos or somebody like that. But here you are, innov- innovating in a very real way, in a very disruptive way. What, how did you get to this point? Because some of our members, they want to do this, but they don't even know where to start. They think it's so daunting that they, they kind of give up on it. So how, what led you to this point? Well, Greg, the thing is, uh, to be honest, I mean, I'm a family doctor. I'm practicing medicine. I'm watching the industrial, medical industrial, uh, you know, complex put barrier after barrier after barrier in front of me as a doctor trying to care for people. And I'm seeing the price go up higher and higher and higher for the people paying for it. It doesn't make any sense. So for me, I started to dive into uh, being a businessman and an entrepreneur. I'm like, well, wait a minute. This is crazy. There's got to be a way to, to dissect this and understand it. And so uh, my career was practicing medicine, becoming frustrated, building a group, trying to get leverage. That group got as big as 500 doctors at one time and still getting an appointment with, you know, Blue Cross, Aetna, Cigna, United Healthcare was difficult. Wow. Uh, we were doing $500 million of the business and, and they wouldn't talk to me. But when that sold and I became the chief medical officer of a, a midsize broker firm, all of a sudden I could get their attention and they'd come talk to me. And, and so I realized now I was buying a couple of billion dollars worth of health care for the corporation. So I, you know, started off as a doctor who figured out what to do. Then I was a leader of the physician group and figured out how traumatic the, pro, the, the system was on doctors, uh, both personally and trying to manage them. And then realized that the broker consultant world has tremendous leverage if they will use it properly and corporations through the broker consultant can do it. But unfortunately the sophistication of healthcare has left behind the, I don't want to say intellectual ability because there's a lot of very smart people in brokerage consultant firms, but their model is very relational. You know, let's go play golf. Let's go to the club. Gosh, I love you, man. You're my best friend. They kind of have social IQs that are off the wall, emotional IQs that are really strong, but the analytic scientific um, exploration they've had in their past, let's just say, is not that high. So the broker consultant world has gotten left behind. And so they've turned to these really strange perversions to increase their bottom line. And that's where we're at today. So you've got these big brokerage houses. I'll give you an example, Greg. Just, uh, I heard about last week is another example of the hundreds I've already known about. Um, so these big consulting firms will say, hey, if you want a transparency company or if you want a second opinion company, here are the three we recommend. And little do most companies realize, but they make those three companies pay them a quarter of a million dollars to be on that list. Wow. And then w- when the bid comes through for those services, guess what? They're raised to cover the broker consultant, uh, you know, um, firms, um, you know, rider kicker, if you will. And the broker consultant firm that is supposed to be representing the company and protecting the company is actually getting these other flows of income that have nothing to do with defending the company. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like an incredible conflict of interest. Is that, is it even legal? That's the rule now. It's not the exception. Um, Whether it's insurance companies, you know, again, uh, 
uh, we could go through 50 examples for how insurance companies are doing very similar things to, to find revenue inside the flow. And the amazing thing is they won't give people their data to look at it frequently. So they won't even let you see what's going on. Hmm. Uh, the broker consultants, some of them are pure consultants where they actually take a fee and they will not take these, you know, the, the broker part of it's where you get a lot of these perverse incentives, not the consultant side. So you can be very sure that uh, you need to be careful about that. And then, you know, you've got all the other middlemen, all these vendors, point solutions, literally billions of dollars of quote unquote innovation in healthcare, which actually at the end of the day ends up being additional fees to corporations. And that's why the non-medical part of this has gotten so large. Okay, so your innovative solution, particularly on the data side, does what exactly? Very simply, we look at the contracts for a corporation with these different, you know, the, the, the PBM, the insurance company, and other contracts that are there, and understand the flow of money. Follow the money, you'll figure it out. So we understand the flow of money. That's my. That's the, the people I work with. They're the the people who are more uh, the. We divide it into eight principles on each side. So they have the eight side that is the contractual and the fixed cost side of it. I do the clinical evaluation to see are the people receiving good care? Do they have access to excellent providers? Are they using those providers? And are the incentives in the system set up so that they encourage people to engage in their health and to get taken care of? Or what we see more often than not now is if you actually lean into trying to take care of yourself, you end up getting hit with a big bill repetitively. And so people withdraw from care and then they have things go a long time before they get intervened on. And then it's very severe and very expensive. So I'm the clinician that's looking at everything. We have the contractual fixed cost side that looks at everything. And we put that together and come back to the company and say, here's what's working. Here's what's not working. Here's what you can do about it. And I would say that 90% of the time, maybe 95% of the time, there's 10% of what a company's paying that can be fixed within the next enrollment period or the next cycle you can get rid of 10% of costs. With the clinical side of it, that takes a little longer. Within two years, two and a half years, you're talking about another 10% of costs that can be removed. So if you can think about the fact the average company is spending $10,000 to $12,000 right now for their health benefits, and we are able to save 2,000 of the 10,000 over the next two years, it's a tremendous value. Per employee. Yeah. That's yeah. per employee. Yeah. I mean, that, that adds up in a hurry. That's a big number. Okay. So, Drop straight to the bottom line. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So obviously, incredibly innovative thing, combination, again, of expertise, data, tech, to go after this big, big, big problem and, and trying to disrupt it. When taking something that innovative to market and calling on the end customer, in this case, the big corporation... Are they, is there a big uh, kind of evangelism or education that needs to be done, or do they get it right away? No. Well, the thing is, if you were to, this is, this is the catch-22. Uh, if you were to meet with the CEO and CFO, and you were to share what's happening, how to figure it out, it'd be a relatively quick meeting. 
what happens though is they delegate everything to HR. And HR folks uh, appreciate them, but they are not part of the C-suite. They do not get rewarded for innovation. They do not get rewarded for um, taking any chances. And so you get a lot of, literally the first question I usually get is, what is everybody else doing? How many clients do you have and who are they? Because they're more concerned about job preservation than they are actually doing what's right for the corporation. So you have to literally, the CFO wants to save money uh, just as hard as they can. The HR wants to be no disruption and the CEO wants to be very popular and make as much money as possible. But you, what happens to me frequently, I will be with the CEO or CFO. They're like, we got to do this. They delegate me to the HR and, and you can never get it over the finish. line. Like no matter how hard uh, the CEO or CFO told them to do it, it's not the business they're in, but most companies don't realize they're running a healthcare business inside their business. Yeah. It, cer- it certainly sounds like it. Yeah. Okay. Now you've had some success. I know it's whenever you're bringing an innovation like this to market, there's lots of obstacles to overcome and walls to run through. But share with the audience a little bit about you know the early adopters or the innovators that you've been able to sell to, and and, and where does a firm stand right now? Okay, so we have about forty companies that we're working with. Uh, we're working with a number of broker consultant firms. So the Converging Health is providing the clinical and IT support for a number of broker consultant firms. One in particular, and so we you know our growth. We've been thirty to forty percent growth over the last two years. COVID really, as you can imagine. Uh, took some wind out of our sales. We yeah. thought we'd be uh, 40, 50% growth two years ago and go up from there. Uh, what we find is once we start working with somebody, we have incredibly high retention and they tell a number of other people. So it, it's very much uh, growing dramatically as we get in uh, and get things going. So right now we've got about 40 companies. We are, the thing that's fascinating for me, Greg, is I started off thinking I'm going to serve uh, self-insured companies in the mid-market where I get a YPO type leader who's able to make decisions and will not delegate it and we can make things happen. And that's the segment that I've been focused on. Believe it or not, I just got hired by a huge healthcare system in New York City. uh, And because they said, what you're doing is going to help us with our Medicare and Medicaid risk contracts. And so now uh, I have a contract for 177,000 lives that the same IT analytics is serving. Uh, I have a captive of smaller companies that has hired us that we're doing uh, that we're doing their IT analytics. And so what's happening is that, uh, believe it or not, the amount of pain, even at ten to twelve thousand dollars per employee that corporations are serving, they're not willing to spend the energy to get it done frequently. Now, you know, 40 of them have, but but that's a, we would like to be 400 or 4,000 and, and other segments are coming to us and saying what you're doing matters and it makes a big difference. So the federal government right now is forcing hospital systems to take financial risks for Medicare and Medicaid. And they're like, Holy cow, we've got to figure out how to have people be healthy and spend less money. And your system does that. And so it's an interesting life for me right now because <laughs> whom the, those with whom I thought I would be serving, um, I think what's going to happen is this year when they they get told, hey, it's going to be fifteen percent, twenty five percent more next year for health insurance, they'll they'll you know they'll be a primordial scream and maybe another forty or fifty of them will come on board. Yeah. And at some point in the next three years, this is just so unsustainable that the marketplace is going to is going to uh, be ready to act and not just hear about it, get excited about it, delegate it, 
and then you know come back a year later and say, yeah, we should have done that. Yep. So, audience member, there's there's a lesson here that I want to underline through uh, Scott's fantastic example. When you truly are innovative, and he is, and you're going after a really large problem, which he is, you got to hang in there because sometimes the original assumptions prove to be incorrect. And there's new things that happen that represent wonderful opportunities, as we just heard with the federal government. So the, the lesson here is to remind ourselves on the adoption curve. And the great Jeffrey Moore once wrote about the adoption curve, and I'll briefly summarize it here. Think of a, a bell curve, and whenever an innovation hits the market, the first place it goes is the innovators, meaning the, the end customers who like to be first, and they are willing to take risk and experiment. Then it moves past the innovators to the early adopter community. And these are people who also like to be early, but not necessarily on the bleeding edge, but they see such a tremendous win that they're willing to take a chance. Then once you get solidified in that group, you make it to the mainstream market. And then that's when all the great things happen. And that early uh, majority in that mainstream market is when things really kick into gear. So if you want to be an innovator, as Scott is, you got to make it through those cycles. And the way you do that is you just listen. You push as hard as you can into the market. You let a thousand flowers bloom because you never know where it's going to take you. And that's what it means to be an innovator. So for there are audience members who are trying to innovate their firms and disrupt other firms, larger firms, and go after big, giant problems, which is a percentage of our group. you got to hang in there as you go through those stages. And hopefully you're hearing from uh, Dr. Scott today an inspiring story. I mean, he got to 40 companies, right? That's a lot. You know, sometimes early firms get to one or two or three or four. And they don't get past that. I mean, 40 is substantial. And now he's got this new uh, wonderful market segment to go after, given the recent success story of New York. So, Scott, thanks for sharing your story today. It was inspirational. Every time I talk to you, I find myself rooting for you. And I hope uh, that you keep pushing and you and you make it happen. And, and I hope those that are listening to this are inspired with by what, you, what you're trying to do. Well, Greg, thanks so much. And you know, anybody listening to this, we do a free 30-day assessment where we take your contracts, we take your reports from Blue Cross United States from last year, we do a bunch of work, and then we come back and educate you. And it may not be the first year that you get that, that you engage, but there'll be a moment where you'll go, thank God, I talked to them and I, I, I know and understand what's going on because that you know made us an additional X million dollars on the bottom line, particularly when you sell and you get a multiple of five to 12, uh, there's no reason to be decreasing your EBITDA because you're paying too much for healthcare. So if somebody that wants to take you up on that offer, how do they get, how do they get it? Scott at scottconnor.com. Just say, Hey, I want an assessment done and uh, we'll reach out to you. We'll get it done. Uh, I have a team around me that, that does the basic work. And then I lean in and have the final meeting with you that we will show you and educate you about what's going on. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so for those that are interested uh, in this subject and others like it, um, growing and scaling your firm, check out the book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. You can find it on Amazon. And for those that want to meet really interesting people like Scott, consider joining our mastermind community. You can find it at collective54.com. Scott, thanks again, and uh, enjoy the rest of the conference, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Yeah, Greg, it's been great being a part of Collective 54. It's added so much to our corporation. I'd really encourage everybody hearing this to think about it and join. Hey, thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. Be good. 